this morning we're talking about the supremacy of Christ. We're going to talk about someone famous, talk about Jesus here. Um, as I was going through this, this passage of scripture we're going to read today, it's out of, uh, it's out of Colossians. I, uh, you know, it's about the supremacy of Christ. I started to think to myself, you know, I'm a bit of a supremacist. And I thought, man, if I titled this message, I'm a supremacist, it'd probably go viral on the internet. Um, but of course, what, I'm, what I believe is that Jesus reigns supreme above it all. That's what, that's what I believe is supreme. You know, uh, but yeah, you can't say, often use that word in today's ultra-tolerant and safe society, all that kind of stuff. But anyways, Jesus, you know, he, he is so much far and above everything. He reigns above it all. He reigns supreme above it all. There's no one else like him. That statement doesn't fit the, you know, the culture of the day, but it's true. He's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And there was no other God before him. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the Son of God, the Son of man. He's the rock of ages, the great I am. He's the creator, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the chief cornerstone and the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the good shepherd, the lamb of God, the head, uh, the, and the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the light of the world, the head of the church, the bread of life, and the bright and morning star. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the Christ. He's the great redeemer, and he's the savior of the world. There is none like our God. And this is why Christ must have supremacy. He must be supreme over all things in our lives. He has to have top billing. He has to be the top dog. He's the one that's in charge. He sits on the throne. See, when we come to this church, we sing his name. We sing praises to his name. We exalt his name. We preach his gospel. We follow his ways. We build our lives upon him. It's not our will, but it's his. It's not our plan, but it's his. We have to submit ourselves to Jesus. And really, that is the only appropriate response. Because we cannot compare to the raw majesty and power of Jesus of Nazareth. If he were to walk into this room right now, none of us would be able to stand because the weight of his glory would be so absolute that we would just be lying on the ground in a puddle of tears. We would be in absolute awe at his majesty. We'd be shocked at his magnificence. The almighty God being in our very presence. Jesus reigns supreme above it all. His supremacy is absolute. There is no comparison. There is no comparable. So I want to read a passage from Scripture this morning that's among my favorites in, uh, in Scripture. It comes from Colossians 1, and that's right in the middle of the New Testament. And it's a letter that Paul wrote to a, a church, and it was, the church was in a city called uh, Colos. And this church had a, had a few problems, and so Paul had to write this letter. And in this church, uh, they had these problems of um, what you refer to as religious relativism, or... Basically, what's going on is that they kind of had it in their, in, their, in their heads that they could combine multiple religions, no problem at all. They could combine whatever the popular Greek and Roman philosophy was at the time. They could secularize the church, secularize the gospel. You know, you could believe more than one truth. You could live your truth, combine multiple religions, whatever. Worship other gods, no big deal. Different, you know, morals and ethics would come in. Whatever the world says is good, sure, we'll adopt that. That's trendy right now. See, Christianity was spreading like wildfire so fast, in fact, that the apostles 
um, which is kind of the original disciples of, of, of Jesus, uh, plus Paul, they hadn't even visited Colossus yet. Hadn't got there yet. And so, you know, this church needed some straightening out because it got some funny ideas. The thing is, I think we all need some straightening out from time to time. We need to be reminded of the same important things that this, this church in Colossus needed to be reminded of. We're going to go to the first chapter here of Colossians. Start at vis, uh, verse 15 and go to 23. And th- th- this one comes with a title, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, it says, Christ is Supreme. Starting at verse 15. Christ is the, in, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that is inspiring us even thousands of years into into the future here. God, your Bible is amazing. It stands the test of time, and it is, is such a great tool for teaching and learning and inspiring us. So, God, I pray that that would happen this morning, that this, this word today would find a root uh, deep inside our hearts, and that we would all remember that you are supreme, and we need to keep you supreme. In your name we pray, amen. So this morning, I wanted to remind you, first and foremost, of the supremacy of Christ, but then also show you why, why you want to keep him in that rightful position. So my first point here, this is always a good thing to remember, there is only one God and you are not him. Let me tell you something, there is, there's someone that's trying to continually usurp Jesus from his, from his throne, and that someone is you, and that someone is me, that someone is all of us. See, as great and as wonderful and as majestic as Jesus is, we continually try to put ourselves on the throne. We like to put our butts where they don't belong. We like to sit on a seat that's fit for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The the end of the selection of scripture I just read, it said, you know, in verse 23, that we have to continue to believe this and stand firmly in it. Or otherwise, we're going to drift. We're going to drift away. We're going to drift away from these truths. So this is a continual thing. We have to continually remember that Jesus is supreme. We have to continually remember that Jesus needs to be in that top position. Sometimes we, we will unintentionally take a seat where we don't belong. We will kind of forget of who Jesus really is. Maybe we're just facing a lot of stress and, you know, we kind of get duped into walking around like we've got the weight of the world on our shoulders. And everything's riding on us. Or as ministers, sometimes you think, you know, the weight of the church is on your shoulders or the success or failure of the church is on your shoulders. You forget Jesus says, no, no, I will build my church. 
very easy to do that, to forget that Jesus still sits on the throne, to forget that he's supreme above everything. But what's, you know, what's far more grievous is obviously when people just do that intentionally. Now, obviously there's people out there that don't have Jesus on the throne, that uh, don't at all worship him as God. But then there's also kind of a middle ground where we like to kind of pick and choose which Jesus we want and what he's going to be supreme over and what he's not going to be supreme over. That's also very normal. That's very common. Uh, we often struggle allowing Jesus to be supreme over everything. There's little areas that we don't like him being the boss of or in charge of. Very, very common. And so it's a continual process that we have to keep going back and saying, Jesus, you have to reign above it all. You have to be in charge of everything. You're supreme above it all. I need you to be on the throne of my life. See, the devil's original trick is to get us to think that we're something, that we are, you know, we're so wise that we are wiser than God. This very quick thing, he just wants to get that, that throne usurped. And, you know, society today is in a really big drift away from God. You know, it's continuing to move further and further from the morality that's taught in the Bible, the ethics that's taught in the Bible. What Jesus says is right and wrong. And so today you're going to be continually pressured to slice and dice the Bible, water things die, down, and even devise this morality that's not even taught in the Bible. But what people don't realize when you're, following, when you're falling into this trap when you begin to follow your own version of right and wrong, when you begin to pick and choose and figure out, you know, uh, you know, what's good biblically, what's not, what's going on here is you've actually usurped Jesus. You've sat on the throne instead of him. You've declared yourself more supreme than he is. You could be what's called a self-supremacist, or people often refer to that as a narcissist today. Very, very common, very, very common. The thing is, this is very, very profane. This is very, very blasphemous, but people don't often realize what they've done. Regardless of what happens here, whether it's a small thing that we do or a big thing that we do, whenever Jesus is not in the right place, whenever we aren't honoring him as supreme, it, it causes chaos in our life. And it kind of comes down to the fact that we're not respecting the very first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. You might not think you're acting like God when you're chopping up the Bible or um, going against what Jesus says, but you are. If you're, not if you're not treating God as supreme and as power, as wisdom, as goodness, then you're not treating him as God. So he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And excuse my purposeful bad English here. This is for an effect here. But you can't convince yourself that you're gooder than God. You can't do it. You can't convince yourself that you're wiser than God. And if you do, we have a problem. And then that's a big one. You know, but even sometimes when you're just bogged down by problems, and maybe your faith is leaving you, your, your sense of belief is leaving you, you forget whose you are and who you belong to and who's on your side. That's, that's also a problem. You forgot who still sits on the throne. And that will mess up your life. That will cause problems. The longer you sit in the position of the throne, the longer you aren't, and the more that you're not giving Jesus supremacy, the more chaos you're going to experience. And again, we all do this. Uh, even on a daily basis, we forget. We forget Jesus is still on the throne. We forget how powerful and amazing he is. We, for, we just forget these things. It's very common, very common. Sometimes it's just like a, a slip of the mind. Of course, other times it's very, very intentional, unfortunately. But I think it's a good exercise ever so often to remind ourselves, who is Jesus? 
We need to remind ourselves that there is a God and we are not him. So it's good to ask yourself questions like, when was the last time that you created the universe? When was the last time somebody called you the rock of ages? Have you ever risen from the grave in defeating death? Is there, ever, is there even a single person on this earth that calls you Lord? Are you infinitely powerful, infinitely wise, and do you have the ability to be everywhere at once? Hopefully you answered no to all of those questions. If you didn't, there might be some problems. See, we literally owe God our entire existence. Even our own <laughs> ability to think. When we're criticizing God's ways of doing things, it's like he even gave us our own ability to think. All of our giftings, all of our talents, those come from God. Our ability to feel comes from God. The very breath in our lungs comes from God. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those that remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, it really does seem ridiculous to compare yourself to Jesus. But it is a good exercise because we forget time and again who sits on the throne. And we keep putting our butts where they don't belong. We keep sitting in a place of authority that we don't have and we shouldn't have. Or we keep thinking that we should listen to human wisdom over God's wisdom. But when you spend time dwelling on the majesty of Jesus, you sit and take some time in the presence of God. There's only one appropriate and rational response when you do that. And that's a response of self-denial, self-sacrifice, humility, and repentance. Because you'll realize that there is a God and you are not him. He is so much higher and far above you. He's extraordinary. He's incredible. And when you focus on, on who Jesus is and you give him his due and you put him in the place of honor that he deserves and you really make him the Lord of your life, you really make him supreme. And you say you're going to follow his power and his goodness and his wisdom and his supremacy over everything. It will radically change your life for the better. This never goes bad for you when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. So for the second half of the sermon, I just want to look at the advantages of having Christ in the proper position. Why you want to keep him supreme. We just talked about why he is supreme. So why should we keep him that? Why should we always have him in that proper position? So the second point here, when Jesus is supreme, our relationship with God is restored. Our sins are forgiven. We'll go back to Colossians here in uh, verses uh, Chapter 1, 19 through 22. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result... He has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. See, when you have Jesus on the throne, you have access to the presence of God. You're reconciled, you're forgiven, your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. You actually get to be holy, you get to be blameless, and you can stand before God in all of his holiness without a single fault. Ephesians 3.12 
It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Only Jesus can do that for you. Only Jesus can grant you that access to God. Only Jesus can take your sins from you and remove them completely to the fact that they like never exist. Only Jesus can do that. But when we're struggling with the sins of our past, when we're still dealing with the shame of what we used to do, again, we're putting ourselves on the throne because we're disagreeing with Jesus. Jesus says, I've removed that from you as far as the east is from the west. I've, wa- I've washed you whiter than snow. And yet we still say, oh, I don't think so. I'm still a terrible person. I've still made mistakes. And we still focus on what we used to do and, and the sin that's messed up our lives. See, that's a little one that we, we do all the time. But when we do that, we're, we're disagreeing with Jesus. He isn't supreme anymore when we're saying, you know, my, my, you know, my shame, it's still here, it's still around. And we're letting that run our lives. Most people don't realize when that's going on that we're taking Jesus off the throne and we're disagreeing with him about that. Jesus says you're a new creation, you've been born again, you've been made pure. So when the devil ever comes to you and he tries to poison you and put these lies back in your head and reminds you of maybe the mistakes you've made, you go back to, no, 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 Christ is supreme and this is what he says. And this stuff does not have a hold on me anymore. I've been made whiter than snow. I've been washed clean. I can stand before God without, without a single fault. I can go into the presence of a holy God with confidence because of what Christ has done for me. I'm going to take Jesus' word for it because of who he is and what he's done. When you believe Jesus, when you, when you believe in him and what he's done, it gives you a joy that you can walk in your life with. You realize you have a new life. You have a new lease on life. We're not going to allow the sins and the shame of the past to stick around. We're going to follow what Jesus said, that they've, they've been removed for us. When he died on the cross and says it is finished, it was, and it is. Verse 23 in Colossians 1 says that we have to stand firm on the supremacy of Jesus. And when we do so, we'll have an assurance of salvation. Uh, we used to sing a song uh, growing up called Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Love that, that. You have this assurance. You know that you know that you know that you know that you're going to get to meet Jesus in heaven one day. You're going to live in paradise with him forever because of what he's done for you. When you really do have Jesus as the supreme leader of your life, and you have him as Lord of your life, it gives you a supernatural peace. It gives you a peace about your past. It gives you a peace about the present. And it gives you a peace about the future because you know God holds all of it in his hands. You know the Savior. and You know he's going to save you. You know the Savior, you've made him your Lord. See, even, even when we struggle, even, you know, it still, it still happens, you know, we, we mess up here and there, we make mistakes. But when you know that Jesus is Lord and you know of his goodness and his mercy and his faithfulness and his gentleness and his kindness, you know that you can just go to him and he can clean you up, he can pick you up, dust you off, and set you on the right path again. That's who Jesus is. When he's supreme, and you know who he is, and he's Lord of your life, you, you know he can do that for you. There's no fear in going to him, because we know who he is. Also, when we have Jesus in the supreme place, it helps us avoid falling into temptation in the first place. See, when you have Christ in, a, in this position of supremacy, it gives you a standard to measure all things against. See, if it disagrees with Jesus if it disagrees with the morality and the ethics 
uh, and the righteousness that he taught in the Bible, then you know it's not right. No matter what the world says, no matter how they can spin it, you just know it's not right. If it disagrees with Jesus, it's not the truth because he is the truth. He's the personification of truth. So when the, when the world is tempting you to do something that disagrees with Jesus, you know it's not right. Don't do it. Don't say something's good when Jesus says it's evil. Again, as I said before with bad English, you're not gooder than God. Remember that. Don't fall into that trap. Proverbs 9.10 famously says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. Meaning you can't even begin to be wise unless you're putting God in his rightful position. To fear the Lord means to give them the respect and the honor that is due his name. To put him in that rightful position. To make him supreme. So before you run off and you, and you hitch a ride on the wisdom bus of the world, remind yourself there's a bunch of fools driving. We just celebrated April Fool's Day, and one of my favorite Bible verses is that a fool says there is no God. I consider that their national holiday. When you hop on the Jesus train, you can trust the driver. He knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going. He knows all. He sees all. And he's ultra-powerful. Hop on his train. You can trust the driver. You'll notice with the world, they are constantly shifting in their morality. It's quite wild. What was fine, you know, 10 years ago is terrible today. It's, it's just constantly shifting. But, you know, Jesus stands the test of time. His commands, his morals will reign forever. See, Paul wrote about this trap, this trap of following foolish thinking. Falling into this trap. And actually, if you were to keep reading past uh, what we just read here this morning... It would come to this section here in chapter 2. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. There's a key there that often the root of humans' great ideas is actually the demonic. It comes from fallen angels that are trying to mess with things. So that's why it often sounds good. It's high sounding. It, it's, it sounds good, but it's an empty philosophy. It's nonsense. It, you know, it's coming from a bad place. Next verse. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in, in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. These different rulers and authorities, you know, these human beings, they might be famous. They might have some great ideas, but Jesus is head over them all. He's the one that actually has authority. He's the one that, that rules above them all. And it's not even close, not even a contest. Another advantage of having Jesus as your Lord, of having him supreme over all things, is that you know your worth. You know your worth because you know who God is and you know that what he says is true. It gives you an extraordinary sense of self-worth. Because you know that God in all of his majesty died for you. He laid down his life for you. That's how amazing he thought you were. That's how, how worthy he thought you were. That he himself would give his life for you. That's an extraordinary worth. Nothing the world could ever offer you in terms of worth could ever at all compare to that that the king of all creation would die for you in your place. Also, when Jesus is supreme, you take on an extraordinary purpose. And that purpose is the same purpose Jesus has, to save the world. 
Again, that's a purpose that the world is not going to give you. Not to the same, same degree. It's basically, Jesus is basically asking you to come be like a superhero with him. That ain't happening in the real world. You also see this extraordinary value in all the human beings around you, too. You know their worth, too. And that gives you an impetus to go about that purpose, to save the world, to preach the gospel, to set people free, to introduce them to the one that needs to reign supreme over their life. Furthermore, when Jesus is supreme over your life and you've made him your Lord, you get to be a part of a family, an eternal family, the church. And Jesus is head of the church. And this gives you this it really helps you in, in developing that God-given identity. And it also gives you a, a sense of security as well. Because you know that these people are going to be your friends for all of eternity. They're, they're going to be with you forever. And as long as you're with the church, you also know that whatever the world throws at you, that you're going to be able to conquer it. Because Jesus said that even the gates of hell aren't going to be able to triumph over the church. The church is going to stand the test of time. Why? Because Jesus is the head of the church and he never loses. Jesus in all of his supremacy and majesty and power is the head of the church. He's going to build the church. Very easy to become disillusioned with the church, but you forget who's in charge of the church. You forget who's supreme over the church. You forget who's going to clean up his church and make sure that he's walking the right path. He's done it time and time again. Jesus is supreme over the church. And if you hang out in the church, you get to be a part of the winning team. Speaking about winning, when Christ is supreme, about, supreme in your life, when you've really made him your Lord, you begin to realize that you have an incredible and an awe-inspiring power that is backing you up in every situation. You realize, I often refer to it as the spiritual gift of winning, that regardless of what situation you're fa you face, that God can make you win. He can use it for his glory. He can um, radically turn it around. When it comes to this power, sometimes we forget the, the power that's inside of us. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same power that conquered the grave, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that lives in you. The world can never hand you a power that is at all comparable to that. It's an extraordinary power. That power lives in you and it moves through you. Often you probably don't even realize what it's doing around you. The second you step into places, you can be radically changing the atmosphere. All sorts of spiritual warfare could be set off because you walk around with an extraordinary power, that same power that conquered the grave. And when you realize that, it gives you a new outlook at life. You realize that the mountains you're facing are actually molehills. You realize they are nothing compared to the raw power of God that is moving through you and lives within you on a permanent basis. So whatever you're facing, remember who sits on the throne. Remember who's in charge. Remember who has the power that is far greater than anything the world could ever throw at you. In fact, when you're walking around with this power, you're basically overqualified to handle any situation. I often say with, with, with Jesus in us, we have the greatest pastor of all time. The most effective evangelist. The most powerful prophet the most terrific teacher. All of that is just within you. Maybe you don't, you think of, gee, what, what can I do in that situation? That same power that conquered the grave is within you, there to help you in that situation. 
It's also worth remembering that Jesus is the king of the comebacks. He conquered death. So whatever you're facing, he can conquer it, even death. He also commands an army of angels. Literally any situation, he can turn around. The Bible says this continually. You know, he can turn our mourning into dancing, our sorrows into joy. He can make all things work together for the good of those that, that trust in him. If you're placing him in his rightful place of supremacy, you have an amazing power that is with you in every situation. And finally, in this section here, we have, when you have Jesus as supreme, with Jesus as his rightful place as Lord, you get to live forever in heaven with him. The world can't offer that. Only Jesus can. Life in eternity, in paradise forever, only Jesus can do that. It's only through him. He is the only way. As I, was, I, find, I find when I preach messages and just talking about of just who God is, who Jesus is, I find there's really never enough room to go through all of his amazing qualities. Never enough time because he's just that amazing. That was just a, a pretty small list when it comes to it. Some of the advantages of having Jesus as the Lord of your life. But that's not an exhaustive list. There's so much more. There's so much more. Giving Jesus the supremacy over your life in every way is the best thing you could ever do. Just to recap some of the ones we've mentioned here. Jesus gives us access to God. He restores our relationship with God. He grants us forgiveness of our sins. He removes our sins from us. He brings us freedom from shame. He gives us a God-given confidence. He gives us an assurance of our salvation. He helps us walk in righteousness. He gives us a standard of righteousness to measure against and a guide in all things in this world. He gives us actual, true, and authentic wisdom. He gives us an extraordinary worth and an extraordinary purpose. He gives us a forever family. He gives us supernatural power. He gives us the ability to conquer all, even the grave, even death. And he gives us access and the ability to live in heaven forever. See, when you unseat Jesus from his seat of supremacy, when you, be, when you slice and dice you know, the Bible, when you, you know, start to follow your own version of right and wrong, when you become essentially the Lord of your own life, you don't get any of those things because only Jesus can bring those things. You're not Jesus. There is a God and you are not him. His wisdom far surpasses your own. His goodness far surpasses your own. His power far surpasses your own. Don't compare yourself to Jesus because he won't win. <laughs> so you need to get out of the seat if you're in the seat. Let him be Lord. Let him sit on the throne. And if the world tempts you to switch things around, don't take the bait. Nothing the world could ever, ever, ever offer you could even remotely compare to what Jesus can do for you. My conclusion here is actually to go back to Colossians. And there's a beautiful prayer that's in Colossians. As Paul is praying over the Colossian church and he's saying this, you know, of everything I'm about to say, this is what I want you to take from it. And I just want to pray this over the church today. Because again, like that church in, in Colossus, we can struggle 
and forget that Jesus is supreme. It's an, it's an everyday thing. And it can, there's varying degrees of that, obviously, but we need to be reminded of who Jesus is. So this will be from Colossians 9, uh, 1, uh, 9 through 14. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have endurance and the patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Lord, we thank you for your word and I pray, God, that this is going to find a root within our heart here this morning. There are so many things that only Jesus can do. And the world is filled with so many counterfeits. It is constantly trying to dupe us into putting ourselves or something else into the seat of supremacy rather than the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the rock of ages, the great I am, Jesus Christ. We are so easily duped. And you know, this has been Satan's trick since the beginning. And so, God, I pray for this church here that we're going to have a firm foundation. As Paul was talking about, we're going to have this blessed assurance of who Jesus is. And we can rely on him and rest on him. God, there's so many areas of our hearts that we have a hard time making you supreme over. There are questions we have, things that don't make sense to us. But God, that's by design. Because we're not you. If we understood everything, we would be you. If we're not. So God, I pray people are going to be reminded, even when they're confused about things. If Jesus' ways seem a little strange, that's kind of by design. That's to help break us from this, break us away from this need to fit in with the world. Because we were not called to fit in, we were called to stand out. We were called to be a city on a hill. Our lives are supposed to exemplify the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, the result of having that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead within us. God, we want to be people filled with that fruit of the Spirit. We want to be people of this, that supernatural peace, knowing that God reigns supreme above it all. We want to have a supernatural joy because we know that our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. We want to be people of boldness because we know that our shame is long gone and it's not coming back. It's been removed. We want to be people of purpose, people of an extraordinary purpose. As so many today often question why they're alive or why they should still be living. God, we want to march with this amazing purpose 
so much so that it's, it, that it's attractive to the world, that they know that they, 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 wanna live, they wanna live like that. They wanna live with a purpose. God, I pray that we're gonna walk around knowing our worth, the worth that comes from the fact that the king of creation died for us. And, we, and when we begin to feel low, I pray, God, that your presence would begin to show up and that would be a reminder to us of what our worth is. And the fact that that presence shows up, that it would remind us that we are without fault, we are blameless. We are holy before a holy God because of what Christ has done for us. And so that shame or that fear would just melt away. God, I pray that we'd be people of faith Regardless of whatever situation we're gonna face, whatever the world throws at us, as things get worse here or better here, whatever goes on, we'll be people of faith because we know who sits on the throne. We want an unshakable faith because we have an unshakable God. There is nothing that the world could ever do that would, that would ever cause you to panic. There's nothing that would ever cause you to fear. Because God, you know that you reign supreme above it all. And it's not even close. God, I just pray for your, your wisdom. We know that's like the, the original sin is basically thinking that we know more than you. God, we repent for how many times we've, we do that, even in a day. We've rejected your ways, or for even a second, we've thought that we know more than you, or we'll disagree with your version of right and wrong. God, we repent over that. And God, I pray that you would give us this amazing recollection of Scripture, recollection of the life and teachings of Jesus, so that when we see all these strange things going on in the world, when we're being taught a different ethic, a different morality, we'd be able to take the measuring stick that is Jesus Christ, measure it up against what's going on and say, oh, this is not Jesus. And so I'm not gonna follow. I'm not gonna drink that Kool-Aid. I'm not gonna fall for that human foolishness because I know where it comes from. God, would you just encounter your church? In your name we pray.